Good morning, church. Um, I hope you're enjoying the worship service so far. Um, as mentioned, Dylan and I have the pleasure and the honor of bringing you guys' message this morning. So, if you try to describe Christianity in one word, what would that one word be? So, when I think about that one word, I think about relationships. So, Christianity is all about relationships, right? Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So, that being said, the title of our message today is relationships. So the definition for relationships says um, the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, or the state of being connected. So the number one relationship that we need to have is with God. God the Father, right, the creator of the universe. We get to have a relationship with him. How cool is that? Um, think about that for a minute. So I know for me, I try to wrap my brain around that. I can't get my brain wrapped around the fact that I get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. So let's look at, um, you know, a couple of scriptures that talk about that. So let's go over to 1 John. Um, uh, 1 John 4, verse 10. So it says, this is love. Not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God can have nothing to do with sin, which means he would have not been able to have anything to do with us. So this posed a huge problem for us. Not for God, though, right? God had an answer. So God said, okay, I'm going to send my son to die to be a sacrifice so I can have that relationship with my number one creation. Um, so, you know, clearly it was God's pleasure, it was God's plan, it was his desire to have this relationship with us from the creation of the world. Um, let's go over another scripture in Leviticus. Um, let's go Leviticus 26, verse 12. It says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Like, what an amazing descriptive passage this is. God's saying, I will walk among you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Like, this is the message that God had for the Israelites then, and this is the message that God has for us today. Like, God want to walk with us. He want to be connected with us. He want to be close to us. God want to have a relationship with us. Um, so the next scripture we look at is, uh, turn to 1 Timothy um, 2, verse 3 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. So the Bible says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who want all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of him. So God desires to have a relationship with everybody, with all people. How incredible is that, that God wants a relationship with all people? So when I think about this scripture, I think about people like Bin Laden or maybe Hitler, right? And I say to myself, 
did God really want a relationship with these people? Like, all the devastation that these men caused, um, you know, these men did some wicked things. So, you know, I had to really get that some thought. Like, does God really want a relationship with these people? And the, clu- the conclusion that I've come to is yes. Um, they fall under all people, right? I mean, they were people, so they fall under all people. So I say, yes, God did want a relationship with them. And I believe that if they would have repented, which means have a change of mind, right? If they would have recognized Jesus as Christ and Lord, right? If they would have put their faith in him and were baptized, then they too could experience an amazing relationship with God here on earth and an eternal relationship with God in heaven. So this morning, I'm you know, here to let you guys know, regardless of what you're going through now, regardless of what you've done in your life in the past, regardless of what you're involved in right now, God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want a personal relationship with you. I want an eternal relationship with you. God wants a relationship with all of us that will last for eternity, one that will never end. So, so once, you know, once we accept this grace that God has for us, um, the grace of salvation through our faith in Jesus Christ, we enter into this amazing relationship with God, right? The creator of, like, all mankind. So when I think about the process that God went through to have a relationship with us, I think about dating, Right? And when I think about dating, I think about Kenny and Gladys, right? Kenny and Gladys is a part of our ministry here. Um, I think about Kenny and Gladys when I think about dating. When they were dating and Kenny was, like, hoarding her, this guy would bring flowers to church. Thank you, right? Like, all the time, right? I mean, it seemed like this guy had flowers every Sunday. And without fail, my wife and I would be coming through the doors the same time he would with this big old bouquet of flowers, right? And my wife would say things like, oh, hey, Kenny, nice flowers, right? (laughs) Or she would say things like, hey, Kenny, why don't you and my husband hang out sometime? (laughs) So, you know, she would give these real subtle hints, right? Real subtle hints to start off with. You know, but this guy kept bringing flowers, kept bringing flowers. And then the hints got a little less subtle, right? It started to be like, man, I wish I had some flowers, you know. One day I had to say, Kenny, dude, look, like, please, knock it off, okay? Like, you're making me look bad, man. I mean, you're really making me look bad here. So please stop with all the flowers. So when they got married... You know, as you can guess, I was extremely happy. I'm like, amen, God, they're married. You know, I don't have to worry about seeing these flowers no more. I don't have to worry about all the flower bashing my wife is doing. Lo and behold, this dude did not stop bringing flowers to church. I'm like, yo, like, come on now. Like, what in the world is going on? So... When I think about that, that's how God is, right? But to like the 10,000th power, 
right? When God was courting us, right, what was God's courting process? Was sending Jesus to die for us, right? God was like, look how much I love you. Look at what I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Look at the ends that I'm willing to go through to show you how much I want to be in this relationship with you. God was courting us. And it didn't stop there, right? God gave us the breath of life every day. Every last one of us, he gave us the breath of life every day. He woke us up this morning, right? That's God's courting process. Like, look, I want to be with you. I want to be connected with you. I want to have this relationship with you, right? And, you know, this was all going on while most of us, you know, didn't want nothing to do with God. We wanted nothing to do with God. A relationship with God was the last thing on our minds, right? But God was willing to put all this out for a bunch of people who didn't want anything to do with him, a bunch of people who wasn't thinking about him at all. You know, but eventually, you know, God's amazing love, he kept on showering us with his love, and he just started chiseling away at our hearts, right? Our hard hearts, chiseling away, knocking that cement off of our hearts, you know, and eventually we saw God's love and we responded, right? And and we got married to God, right? What an amazing day when we were married to God into this amazing relationship with God. And, you know, and after we were married, just like Kenny and his flowers, God continues to shower us, right, with amazing gifts, amazing blessings. Every day, God blesses us. Every day, God takes care of us. And, you know, now, although God was the aggressor and is the aggressor in our relationship, right, God comes after us. There's really nothing we can do on our own, right? God had to initiate this relationship Right? God had to show us how much he loved us, initiate the relationship. It's nothing that we can do. Um, we do have a responsibility once we enter into that amazing relationship with God. We do have a responsibility. So turn with me over to Second Peter, um, verse 3. Second Peter, verse, I'm sorry, Second Peter 3.18. Second Peter 3.18. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So what we need to do while we're in this relationship, our responsibility is to grow. We need to grow in our relationship with God. And there are several ways that we can go about doing that. Um, so a few of the ways we can go about doing that is reading our Bibles, right, and praying. And we need to read our Bibles and pray every single day. Yes, we need to do that. We should do that. Now, are we going to go to hell if we don't read our Bibles every day? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. But is it important that we read our Bibles every day? Absolutely it's important. And there's several reasons that I feel like it's important, and I'll share a couple of those with you. So, um, number one, try getting, try getting to know someone without communicating with them, Right? Impossible to have a relationship with somebody if you're not communicating. When we're reading our Bibles, that's God communicating to us. That's God changing our hearts, making us more like Christ. And when we pray to God, that's us communicating with God, right? Letting him know who we are, him getting to know us intimately through prayer. 
you know, my wife and I, we were hanging out with a couple last week or earlier this week. And the wife was saying how she overhear her husband um, in a room all the time, just having this full-blown conversation with God, um, telling God about his day and what happened at work. I'm like, man, that's incredible. Like, that's how it's supposed to be when we're just sitting down talking with God like he's face-to-face with us. Right? That's the type of relationship God wants to have with us. That's the type of relationship that we need to be striving for. Um, And another reason we need to read our Bibles every day is because, you know, that's the only God that we're going to get. You know, for most of us, we probably, you know, with the body of believers, you know, a couple times a week, might spend five to six hours a week, you know, learning about God, talking about God with the body of believers. But other than that, I mean, this world is, is chaos. I mean, ha- have you looked at the news lately? It's just madness out there. I mean, you better try to get as much God as possible, right? Because it, it's crazy out here in this world. So that's another reason that, you know, we need to read our Bibles as much as possible. And I think about myself, when I don't read my Bible, I'm a different person. Like, I'll be in the house moping around with an attitude, and my wife, she's laughing right now. Because she'd be like, did you read your Bible today? Like, she automatically knows. I'm like, no. She's like, look, you need to go somewhere and read your Bible because I'm not putting up with this all day. So it's absolutely essential for me to read my Bible because I'm totally a different person. Um, So another reason we need to read our Bible, uh, I'm sorry, another reason why, uh, another thing that we need to do to grow closer in our relationship with God is to be aware of God's goodness. God is really, really good to us. And I know sometimes it goes over my head. Um, you know, I don't really realize how good he is. And it will really help us to get closer to God and to grow in the relationship if we were grateful for all the things he's done for us. Right? So we need to be aware of the things so we can be grateful for them. Um, one practice that I've heard someone do and something that I want to adopt is they kind of keep a diary of all of their prayers throughout the year. So all of their prayers, they'll write them down. And then at the end of the year, they'll look back, and they'll just look at all the prayers that God answered for them, right? And just marvel at how good God was for them throughout the year. You know, sometimes in our day-to-day lives, we can miss things like that. You know, so, you know, it's a great practice. Maybe that's something that you want to adopt. Um, and then another way that we can grow in our relationship with God is through relationships with each other. And Dylan is going to come out, and he's going to touch on that point. Amen. Uh, let's, let's go to God in prayer. Because I need it. <laughs> uh, dear God, thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you for allowing us to just uh, all be here together, God. Um, just under you. Uh, We thank you so much for putting the message on Ed's heart, God, stressing the importance of us uh, having a strong relationship with you, God. Um, God, and be with my portion of the message, God, um, and be with me. Uh, Allow my words to be your words and uh, my thoughts to be your thoughts, God. I pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Please turn your Bibles with me to Mark 12. Okay, and we're going to read from verse 28 to 31. 
Uh, this has been our theme scripture for a little while now. And, um, you know, I think about how helpful it is in my daily walk with God, right? So let's go to the scripture. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, Ed did a great job of showing us how important the first part of this commandment is. And I'm here to talk to you guys about, you know, the second part of the commandment. Loving your neighbor as yourself. When you love your neighbor, what you're essentially doing is creating a relationship, right? And when I read this scripture, I assume that the, the neighbor that the scripture is talking about is maybe a stranger or someone that I don't really see too often, right? And I don't think it's wrong for us to assume that. Uh, but I also think our neighbor can be right here in this room, right? You know, the person that sits near you every Sunday or the usher that comes down and gives us communion is also our neighbor. And with that perspective, I had to think to myself, if this scripture is talking about those neighbors, how well am I doing with building relationships with them? You know, so no matter where you guys are at with this question today, I want us to look at a few things that will help us build relationships with one another right here in this room. Can we do that? All right. So the title of my very short message is called uh, Building Relationships with Your Neighbor. All right. Please turn your Bibles to Luke 10. All right. We're going to read about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right. And we're going to start from verse 35 through 37. I think there's a lot to learn about how to build relationships with each other from the Good Samaritan. Uh, the scripture says, in verse 25, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. Um, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on, pouring on oil and wine. When he, then he put the man on his donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? 
The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this is a lot here for us to take in, right? But I believe that there's so much that we can learn from this good Samaritan on how to build relationships with each other, okay? And so I want to help us kind of make those comparisons. So my first point is be observant. In order to build relationships with each other, we need to observe others. You know, this sounds simple, but what is being observant? Being observant is defined as being quick to notice things. And it's something I have to put into practice all the time while working with the teams, right? Most of the time, teams aren't going to just come out and tell you everything that they think and feel, especially if they believe that those things are not the popular thing to think and feel. And so I have to rely heavily on being observant of them in order to figure out their needs. You know, it wasn't coincidence that the Good Samaritan saw the man who was attacked by robbers. He was being observant. The first steps to building a relationship with your neighbor is to take notice of them. And so I want to ask you guys, do you notice your neighbors right here in this room? The Good Samaritan was on his way just like the priest and the Levite, but he was the one who was observant. He didn't just see the man who was beaten and robbed. He saw the man's needs. He was able to see his needs, right? Turn your Bibles to Matthew 9, and we're going to read from verse 35 to 36. Let's take a, let's take a look at an example of Jesus being observant, right? Starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Doesn't the Samaritan's response look very similar to Jesus's here? Right? He saw him and he went to the need. He understood the need. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus saw the crowds and he saw them physically. But more importantly, Jesus was able to see their needs. Jesus was incredibly observant. How much more do we need to be observant of neighbors around us? You know, just last year, I worked as a mentor in high schools. Um, I worked that job for about eight years. Um, and one of my mentors, he told me behavior conveys a need, right? And what that means is that everyone's behavior, through everyone's behavior, you can find a need that is being communicated. You know, most of us here has experienced being overlooked, right? Have you guys ever been overlooked before, right? Maybe it happened when you were young or later. Maybe it happened to you yesterday, or maybe it happened to you today. The, the, the commonality between that is that it never feels good, does it? It never feels good to be overlooked. So if we're not being observant of each other, we won't be able to meet each other's needs, Okay? My next point is turn inconvenience into opportunity. You know, I have a question for you guys to think about. And it's, are you willing to put yourself aside to build a relationship with your neighbor right here? You know, the truth about this parable is that it wouldn't mean anything if the Good Samaritan didn't respond. If the Good Samaritan was just another guy who walked past the guy who was, who was beaten and robbed, that would be the end of the story. 
it's important to see, though, that the man who was beaten and robbed, it wasn't mentioned that he reached out for any help. It didn't say while these people walking by, he put his hand out and say, help me, help me, look what just happened. You know, and the good Samaritan wasn't convenient, wasn't inconvenienced by him. The man didn't try to stop the good Samaritan from where he was trying to go. But instead, the good Samaritan saw an opportunity to help his neighbor. We need to take all the opportunities to help each other, whether or not that help is being asked for. Let's let's look back at Luke 10, right? In verse 34, it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. You know, from the scripture, we can pretty much understand that the good Samaritan was headed somewhere, right? He was on his way to do something, um, but he placed his plans aside and did all that he could for this neighbor of his. And these things weren't easy things to do, right? It says he dressed wounds, he bandaged the man, and he even placed him on his own donkey. Now, the man was stripped of clothes. Like, this is a very uncomfortable situation to be in, right? This is a man who's probably naked, bleeding, open cuts everywhere. And most, most of the time I think to myself, man, would I have done that? Would I have seen someone like that and been able to help in the same way? The good Samaritan could have made excuses as well. He could have said things like, I don't know how to help this man. I don't know what to do. I see him there bleeding, and and I don't know what to do. You know, he could have said, I don't have any time to help this man. I'm on my way somewhere. People are waiting on me. I need to go. I'm on a time crunch. I got to go. You know, he could have said, this man needs more than I can give him. You know, I don't think I'm capable of helping this man. You know, and sometimes that can be me. I can focus on the inconvenience and overlook the opportunity to engage someone. Turn your Bibles with me to Philippians 2. And we're going to look at a a perspective here that encourages us to be outwardly focused, right? So Philippians 2, starting in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in your humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. A lot of the times I have to remind myself that it was inconvenient for Jesus to leave heaven and come down to earth. It was inconvenient for Jesus to subject himself to torture, being beaten, and ultimate death. You know, but he did it. He did it. And he did it so that we can have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Jesus was able to turn those inconveniences into an opportunity for a relationship with him. If Jesus could inconvenience himself to have a relationship with us, we need to inconvenience ourselves to build relationships with each other right here in this room. And I have three short practicals that can help us uh, build those relationships with each other, okay? Just three really short practicals. Practical number one, start with one person. 
choose one person today that you would like to start a relationship with. You know, one great relationship is better than none. Practical number two, ask clarifying questions to establish a connection. You know, when you can't see any of their personal needs, ask questions about it. Ask questions like, what do you need? How can I help? Can we pray together? Questions like those. Asking questions help us learn about each other's needs, right? Well, we can't see it on our own. And practical number three, have a plan to spend time or to talk. Without a plan, chances are that it probably won't happen. I know that's how it is for me. If I don't plan it out, it's probably not going to happen. And to be honest, even sometimes when you plan, sometimes it doesn't happen. But you got to be consistent. You got to keep on it, right? You know, in Proverbs 21, verse 5, you don't have to uh, turn there, but you can just listen. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. You know, being spontaneous is great, and it's fun, and it's awesome, but sometimes we need a plan to make it work, right? You know, and just in case you need proof that these practicals work, I actually have quite an interesting story to tell you guys, right? So back when I was doing this mentoring job, there was a, a teen that I met uh, at the school that I was working at, and his name was Liang. Uh, he was one of the most challenging teens I have ever encountered, right? Everyone in the school, teachers and students alike, didn't really like Liang. He talked over people. He crossed physical boundaries all the time. He would put your, his hand in your pocket and take things out of your pocket and probably wouldn't give it back for the whole day. You'd have to chase him down looking for these things, right? Needless to say, he, he, it, it was a very difficult situation. And back then, if I'm being really honest with you guys, I did not like that team. I know that's so bad to say, but I did not like that team. And it's interesting because uh, while doing a mentoring job like this, or teaching, to be honest, they don't ever teach you what to do when you don't like a student. Like, they teach you the curriculum, teach you how to teach, all those things, but they don't tell you what to do when you don't like a student, as if it'll never happen, right? <laughs> Not our teens. You guys are awesome. Yeah, you guys are good. You guys are good. They're, they're, they're little angels. Um, <laughs> you know, and I could have left our relationship here. I could have said, I am never going to talk to this kid. I'm just going to run away and leave him alone. Um, but that's not what I did. What did I do? I practiced these very practicals right here. You know, I used the practicals. First, I specifically decided that I was going to get closer to Liang. I said, you know what? Liang is the one who I'm feeling the most emotional about, and I need to engage with him specifically. You know, then I asked him a lot of questions about why he did what he did and, and what we could do to change it. You know, and finally, I made a plan for myself and for him to have better interactions every time we met. As a result of those practicals, Liang and I built a great relationship. Till this day, and this was about six years ago, Liang is in college, and he will still contact me and let me know how's it going and thank me for all of the engaging that I did with him, you know, six years ago. And so this is the true benefit of us turning our inconveniences into opportunity. 
And my third and final point for you guys is follow up. To build a relationship with your neighbor, you have to follow up with them. You know, it's not enough for us to be observant and inconvenience ourselves once. We need to follow up with each other and continue to do those things. Let's look back in Luke 10. In verse 35, it says, The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. You know, the Good Samaritan said, and when I return. He didn't say if. He didn't say I might come back and see how he's doing. He said when. You know, he had every intention to make sure and follow up with the man who was beaten and robbed. And was willing to engage more of himself when he did. You know, I believe we are all amazing people in here, right? You guys are all great and awesome and wonderful. But the truth is, nobody here, myself included, is so great that we can have one conversation with each other and make each other's lives perfect after that. Like, just one conversation, you, you ask them the next day, hey, how'd it went? Everything went great, bro. I'm on a great track. Like, this was amazing. Thank you so much for all your wise words, right? You know, and sometimes we can have the that's enough mentality. The idea that as long as I have a few short conversations after church during fellowship, that's enough of a relationship for me. We miss the fact, we miss the fact that it may not be enough for the other person. We need to have the when I return mentality. You know, this actually reminds me of one of our teens here. Um, his name is Chris Wood. Christopher Wood, he's in here. Um, and what it reminds me of is that when Gene and I were studying the Bible with, with Chris, uh, we had a specific day that we got together, right? We had Monday. Monday was our day. Uh, we would come together. Uh, we would have food, fun, and fellowship, and lots of it. And we would, uh, we would talk about so many things. And whenever we didn't finish a conversation, we would reconvene the next Monday, you know? All of us had the idea that we would return, you know? The point is we all followed up with each other. There was no question as to when we were getting together. It was clear that we would return. As a result of that, Chris, Gene, and I have a great relationship. Every time we're around each other, it's all laughs. It's all great conversation. Um, probably a little bit too much. Uh, but it's amazing. And this is the result of those things, guys. And so church, in conclusion... With being observant, turning inconveniences into opportunity, and following up, we have the tools to build great relationships with our neighbors right here in this room. So my question to you guys is, what are we waiting for? Amen. Thank you.